everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined with Kirsten Kemp, also known as The Confident Dancer on Instagram and YouTube. So hi Kirsten. Hello, so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, finally on the podcast. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. So let's just get straight into the quick fire round. So how old are you? 28. 28 and what was your training and your professional like where did you train and then where did you dance I guess professionally so I learned what ballet was in small town Corpus Christi Texas little dance studio I really learned how to be a good dancer at the Houston Ballet Academy and then I eventually went on to train at the University of Utah got my degree there and I danced professionally at Oklahoma City Ballet okay Nice. We'll get into your whole journey yeah. in a bit. Um, and what point shoes did you wear? Or if you are wearing point, like, I don't know what your point shoe yeah. situation is, but what does that look like? Yeah, the one I settled on after uh, many times of frustration and tears and many dollars spent were mm-hmm. uh, the Freed Classics, Deep Vamp, uh and you know anyone who wears freeds you have like six makers on hand in yeah. case one of them decides to break your heart during audition season <laughs> so um it was like y maker f maker butterfly uh d oh my gosh yeah the the list was longer but yeah those were the main ones okay nice as someone who doesn't wear freeds all of that just sounds like gobbledygook but i have heard of the butterfly I'm maker happy for you <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of the butterfly maker. Um, I find it so fascinating to be fair, but I I, I don't understand it. (laughs) Yep. Um, And what is your favorite leotard? Okay. So my favorite is still to this day. I have Mm -hmm. this, just this epic, in my opinion, like diva leotard. It's Mm -hmm. this boat neck Yumiko navy colored with Mm -hmm. white trim, Mm -hmm. long sleeve, low back. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. It's just my best. Really flattering. Yeah. That's uh-huh. a, yeah. Yeah. I've got that leotard in without the long sleeves and it's like a two, I've got, it's like a sky blue and then like another blue trim low yeah. back. It's just so nice. And I had a friend who had like the Navy in Navy long sleeve in velvet. Oh, Ooh, what a look. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice leotard, especially with the long sleeves. It just, it's an elevating um, look. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a crazy leotard person. So I literally oh, know exactly what one you're talking about. You know, yeah. You speak yeah. Yumiko. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what was, what is your favorite piece of choreography that you've learned in your whole, you know, whether you performed it on stage or not, yeah. just what was it? Easy. There was this one solo at Houston Ballet Academy that I got to learn. I didn't get to perform it um, because usually the HB2s, it would be like the the token, like really tall, gorgeous dancer and HB2 would always get to do the solo, but we learned it. It was from a ballet by Stanton Welsh called mm-hmm. Klein Time. And as an eighth generation Texan, it just spoke so deeply to my little heart because Aww. it's like supposed to be reminiscent of Texas back in the day, um, mixing in old country music from Patsy Klein. And there's this solo, um, it's called Walking After Midnight. And it's again, just like the tall girl who's mm-hmm. such a boss, like just throws down this solo. Oh my gosh, there's the perfect mix of like sass and soul. It's just you know, everything I want a solo to be. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, and what is your favorite food? Okay, this is the one where I give the least satisfying answer. Um, I don't have a favorite food. <laughs> so as a vegan of five years, well, okay. even before I went vegan, uh-huh. I just really like food mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have a favorite. It's like so contextual, you know? Okay, yeah. No, I get that. 
I love a good burger. Mm-hmm. I love a good pizza. Mm-hmm. I love a good refined vegetable forward meal, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I just like trying new things. So yeah. I, no, I, I, I do relate to that. Point. Yeah. No, don't you worry. I do. <laughs> I relate to that. So yeah, it's hard to, cho- it is hard to choose when there's so much good food out there. <laughs> yeah, truly. I'm very blessed to be able to have a variety of food and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Can't so wait. let's, yeah, exactly. Um, so let's get into a bit about you and your dance journey. You know, what did that look like growing up? You know, how did you, how and when did you start? And then how did that training, I guess, progress into more like professional training? Um, yeah. And yeah. Let's go. Okay. So like I said, I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, which, okay, I call it a small town. That's kind of a lie. And people who have been to Corpus Christi totally call me out when they hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt small. Okay. Especially mm, no, I, the yeah. arts. Oh, no, no, no. I get that. I do yeah. understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Though geographically there, or I guess demographically, there are like 300,000 people there, but okay. Yeah. That's not, a, not the same where I am to yeah, be fair, yeah, but it feels it. small. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Especially if you're like, yeah. I want to be a ballerina. It's mm. like, mm, the world becomes very small. Yes. Um, but I'm grateful because I went to a pretty decent recreational studio where mm-hmm. I was able to take classes every day if I wanted to. So mm-hmm. I started at six years old and I don't know what possessed me to continue until I was 10, but I kind of hated ballet, <laughs> but I oh, kept no. going and I yeah. don't know why I straight mm-hmm. up tried to pay my mom with my meager amount of chores money to not go to ballet class. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. But all of a sudden at 10 years old, I had this turnaround moment where I liked my teacher. I started having fun. I started realizing that there was more to ballet than just games. And it's something you can actually try to be good at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been an athletic kind of achiever type person. I'm not actually competitive. That's the weird thing that throws people off. So I was just like, wow, I want to be good at this. So the more I kind of got into it, the more it really turned into a passion. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, at and I have an identical twin sister as well. So she was feeling the same way. We had a very similar trajectory until we were 18. Mm-hmm. So at around 13 to 14, we learned what summer intensives were. Like there was just a handful of girls Mm -hmm. at our studio who had moms that were a bit more like dance moms. Mm -hmm. And so uh, apparently their moms looked into summer programs, getting (laughs) them involved and saying Mm -hmm. like, oh, you should audition for this. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what's that? Mm -hmm. How do you become a professional? What? You can do that? Mm -hmm. That's a job. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So long story short, we decided at 13 or 14, that's what we wanted to do with our lives. Mm -hmm. Because of course, as a twin, that's like a joint decision that you make. You know, we were those creepy attached at the hip kind of twins. Um, Yeah, mm, cringe and kind of (laughs) precious at the same time. But yeah, so we went to our first summer intensive. It was Mm -hmm. small. It was like ABT in Alabama. And that was confirmation. It was like, this is my life path. Mm-hmm. This is the point of existence. Okay. So every year we tried to get into better and better summer schools because mm-hmm. again, our, our school at home was quite recreational. Mm-hmm. So we were just one of a very tiny handful of girls who were interested in doing this professionally. Yeah. And then eventually we were the only ones. So yeah. it kind of became clear we needed to go to a year round program, but, mm-hmm. um, and tell me it's just like a little too much detail I can no, no, go for no, 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 no. I'm loving it I'm loving You're the loving story okay. yeah okay Keep I going. always like it when people go into like some detail mm-hmm. um obviously not too much so try to ride the line anyway mm-hmm. so uh yeah our parents were eventually well I think they were always supportive of us but mm-hmm. it took a little bit for them to come around to the idea of supporting us in our yeah. professional pursuit understandably if I were a parent who has kids that seem to have academic promise mm. <laughs> and that you know our parents invested a lot in our education they were very involved I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. there um I would be concerned if my kids were like yeah this is what I want to do <laughs> But they really listened and we had a lot of challenging, but good conversations about it at Mm -hmm. that age. And so 
they did agree to um, support us and helping us to, you know, go to summer intensives. We still had to earn our own money for <laughs> some portion of that, which I'm glad they, they encouraged us to take ownership of that. Yeah. And they weren't just like, Hey, this is a blank check, do whatever you want. And yeah. you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, just do whatever you need us to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we really wanted to go to a year-round program. Mm-hmm. As soon as I started learning that was a thing, I was yeah. very captivated by Point Magazine and Dance Spirit. And mm-hmm. I was, even though Instagram was not a thing back then, I would Facebook stalk all of these dancers. I was such a weirdo. I would go, well, okay, I was very <laughs> that's passionate. So that's so funny. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, passionate, um, yeah very passionate, very Mm -hmm. invested. Mm -hmm. So I would go onto these different ballet company websites Mm -hmm. and I would look up the bios of all the dancers, all of them. Mm -hmm. And I would see what summer programs did they go to? What year round program did they go to? Mm -hmm. I would start like trying to friend them on Facebook. I cannot believe how many people accepted my friend work. That's crazy. (laughs) God bless. Wow. I would not do that. I don't do that if anyone requests me and it's nothing personal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I I was like, wow, there are all these girls going away at 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. That's what I should do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I found it like a great disappointment that my mom was like, no, we would only kind of consider it if you went your senior year of high school. Okay. And I was like yeah. heartbroken, like I can't make it. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I, it all really worked out. So yeah, at 17, we moved away to go to the Houston Ballet Academy. And I spent two years there. Mm-hmm. Um, during After the first year, my sister had several stress fractures that weren't healing in her feet. Mm-hmm. So she had to stop dancing. So that was really a wild time in my life where all of a sudden I was 18, I was living by myself. Mm-hmm. I was going through this really, really rigorous training. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just a lot of, I had a lot of struggles with my mental health at that mm-hmm. time. I was, ex- I was feeling an extreme pressure to perform while also having insanely high levels of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of it, it, just such a low view of myself. Mm-hmm. And such low levels of confidence that I would be, I I started to actually regret in my abilities. Um, Mm -hmm. So all that progress was going backwards. I was Mm -hmm. wondering why I was dancing so badly and I couldn't seem to focus. And I later, when I look back on all that, I was, there were a lot of things I was facing in Mm -hmm. the academy um, thank goodness. A lot of people have had positive experiences there. I've, I had a lot of positive experiences there, but then I also had, um, issues with a couple of the teachers and the way that okay. they were communicating with mm-hmm. me. And it really was very unhealthy for me. So okay. all that being said, I left that place. I went in and I improved a lot. I had, I really accredit so much of my technical abilities to that experience uh, so much of my perspective that actually enabled me to get more out of my college experience. Mm-hmm. I credit that to my time at Houston Ballet. So I'm very grateful I went. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, yeah, I just want to give credit where credit yeah. is due for sure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an all good or all bad experience, but yeah. I learned a lot. It was extremely formative and it was through a lot of the struggles I faced there, especially yeah. mentally, that I not only understood, like, wow. I really need to look inward. Mm-hmm. I need to do the inner work of being a confident performer. Mm-hmm. I need to advocate for myself. I need to take care of myself. Yeah. I just started to see the necessity of it because I've been on such the opposite end of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of having mental health and confidence. Mm-hmm. I've been on like such the opposite end of that, that I was like, no one is going to just magically wave a wand for me. And yeah. those things are going to be okay. I have to look inward and get help and do what mm-hmm. I can. Um, so then when I went to the University of Utah, I stayed there three years. I graduated with a BFA in ballet, mm-hmm. had a great experience there as well. Got to perform plenty, lead roles. It was really awesome. And that was that was everything I needed at the time, especially mm-hmm. after coming from this really um, intense circumstance where I just felt like trash all the time mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I felt yeah. so incompetent and stupid and like I wasn't going to amount to anything mm-hmm. 
And uh, a lot of that was my own interpretation, by the way, of, you know, how I, I was receiving the communication. It's not like people were just saying yeah. that straight to my face. It was just kind of what I was picking up from all of it yeah. as a teenager um, with limited ability to cope with those things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, having professors that then very quickly expressed belief in me, mm-hmm. they were supportive. They gave me opportunities. They, they trusted me. It really gave me the permission to start to trust in myself. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that. And later I was able to build more of those intrinsic skills. So I didn't rely so much on someone else's support of me to, you know, have that within myself. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mentioned all those details because it really started to plant the seeds of what mm-hmm. I'm doing now, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, after college, I was like, well, this is the time to mm-hmm. finally make my dreams come true. I'm going to be a <laughs> professional dancer. Mm-hmm. Um no pressure. I just have this one audition season to like launch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pressure at all. So um, yeah, I ended up dancing professionally with the Oklahoma City Ballet, which was such a, it was such a great experience. Honestly, the company was such a pleasure to work for. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful because especially after having experiences with some teachers, you know, at mm-hmm. many different places that I could see how being under them would lead to a very decreased quality of life. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that um, the people in OKCB were a pleasure to work with. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, for ballet, a very healthy environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got opportunities. It really felt like the dream come true for me. Um, and I was just so joyful at that point in my life. Um, unfortunately, a knee injury came back that mm-hmm. I'd struggled with since I was 14. And this time, I was kind of like, oh, I've had this before. I'm just going to keep blowing it off. Terrible mm. strategy when you're 23 yeah. and you've been through that a couple of times mm-hmm. and you've got the knee of like a 40 year old with arthritis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just do that. I learned. So yeah. Um, after just about six months with the company, the knee injury started to come back. I ignored it. I kept dancing, you know, because of out of the fear of like, I can't, I can't stop because then, yeah. what, then I can't audition or then I'll be like on a, some sort of blacklist, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet it was my um, ignorance about that willful ignorance that led to um, a prolonged struggle with that knee injury, more complications. And I ended up deciding after only a year and a half mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it, it's really best for me to stop dancing professionally, just take mm-hmm. it off the table. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life mm-hmm. after that. I didn't yeah, have my God. this like plan B. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had one in college, but then mm-hmm. for some reason, when I got to this point where I actually would have enacted on that plan B, mm-hmm. it's, it just didn't really see, I don't know exactly what was going on in my mind. I was just like, you know, I don't think that's it. I don't think I'm actually going to get my master's in finance right now and go into that whole world. I just need to take some time for myself. Yeah. And that's, you know, when <laughs> I ended up coming into this crazy path that I'm in now, but mm. yeah, that, that was a, uh, the long, Love it. way more detailed version than you were expecting. <laughs> no, but that, no, I really enjoy that. And it's so interesting to hear I guess like a being so open about like the struggles um, during, I guess your training, but also yeah. how I guess it differed or like just how being under different teachers really changes how you feel about ballet and how your experience mm-hmm. can be with it, which is really interesting. Cause I think, um, I don't know. I still, I think a lot of young dancers don't realize how much, of you know like who you're working with who's teaching you has such a big impact on how you feel in the studio how you feel about the art form so many things um so it's nice to hear that that it got better especially in a company (laughs) environment just because I don't know it every company is different but I know there's a lot of toxic companies out there or companies with toxic environments um and so it's kind of nice that you're in a positive one I'm grateful um, for that. I know it's not yeah for everyone. And I've worked with lots of dancers who have had the opposite experience. Yeah. Their training, uh, their years training were a dream for them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I love ballet so much. Yeah. And then eventually they find themselves 
in a circumstance where they never had to really question what is it that I love about ballet because this love purely for the art form itself isn't carrying me through this environment where I'm tremendously unhappy and that's okay there's really no shame around that Mm. but you know it is something a lot of dancers experience at one phase in their training or another yeah oh no 100 percent um yeah um going back I'm just trying to think of what there was something I wanted to unpack in that and I can't know I've lost it um oh kind of talking about what your I guess like audition experience was like coming from a I guess like a university mm-hmm. doing I don't know because it's interesting because I know in America like in the states that like yeah. quite a lot of universities have like I guess like quite good um degrees in ballet um that then people go into like to dance professionally less like that in the UK I mean like most ballet schools have a degree now that you can get alongside but Mm -hmm. yeah what was that I guess experience like um yeah that's the one part I kind of glossed over the most it's so funny because it's like (laughs) the biggest transition I think that Mm. most dancers go through is that audition season where you're like, this is the one where I get the contract or I don't. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, It's like a, yeah. So um, yes, in America, there are quite a few ballet programs that are pretty good. They provide Mm -hmm. professional level training. Mm -hmm. Now out of all of the universities in the U S that have some sort of dance degree Mm -hmm. I think sadly a very small portion of them have the level of training that would be competitive yes Mm -hmm. even if you're dancing five days a week yeah um, I was even shocked that within my own experience it did take a lot of my own initiative to create kind of fill in some of my own gaps in my training mm-hmm. or to just kind of look out for myself and think more independently. I was, I was always asking that question to myself based mm-hmm. off of what I've seen and what I know mm-hmm. from my time at Houston ballet, dancing in the summer at San Francisco ballet, mm-hmm. ABT places like that ballet West. I had enough exposure to the competition out there. Yeah. I hate to put it that way, but that's mm-hmm. what it no, is. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly quite literally yeah no, literally <laughs> for the positions that I was looking for I I, mm. I quite literally have competition for that mm. I I knew that some of those girls are on point six hours a day yeah I knew how they danced I knew also that your resume kind of doesn't matter if you don't you know have as we say the proof in the pudding mm. in the moment mm-hmm. and I got to I, I felt very fortunate that when I came to the University of Utah, I had gotten into Indiana University, which again, I was really happy about that. That's where I wanted to go. They do Mm -hmm. a bunch of balancing repertoire, very competitive program, probably one of the best for ballet, Mm -hmm. Um, ballet specifically, because there are Mm -hmm. a lot of dance degrees, but those are very general and especially in the arts, but also just in you know, our global society, specialization is highly valued. No matter what you do, mm-hmm. generalists don't tend to get as far as specialists. Mm-hmm. And that's my entrepreneur brain speaking mm. right now, <laughs> having marketing quite a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually bring a lot of what I've learned about marketing and having a business entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been business-minded since I was a kid, probably because my family is made of people mm-hmm. <laughs> who do that kind of a thing. It's just what I grew up around mm-hmm. is the way I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I tie in a lot of that idea of marketing, supply and demand, yeah. economics, things like that into just having a very pragmatic approach to success in any yeah. industry, thinking about like, what is the competition out there? What do employers actually need? What are the, what are the needs we're actually fulfilling here versus mm-hmm. just, I'm going to go out and try to be the best. I'm going to try to be better than everyone. Yeah, well, Sure. You can do more pirouettes than everyone, but are they looking for a blonde who's five, four and who can do really cute, uh, like Demi Solis roles, mm. or are they looking for, um, a dancer who is a lot more demure and tall and lengthy, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. know? 
everyone's looking to fill a need. So anyway, I get on yeah. tangents. Yeah, no, but so, exactly. It's okay. Um, yeah. So at the University of Utah, I already had that perspective going in of, I, I saw that even the name of Houston Ballet didn't magically open doors for me. I saw that I still had to open them for myself. I still had to show my skills as a dancer. And I'm really grateful I had that wake up call at 19 when I go, went out to audition for companies because then it went, it led into my degree. I tried to have as little entitlement as possible. As little of that idea of like, because I have a degree, it will get me this. Mm-hmm. No, it won't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scary wake up call for a lot of people mm-hmm. that we have to take radical ownership over our own outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, as difficult and humbling as it is sometimes, it really kept me working hard in college, mm-hmm. not necessarily out of fear, but out of like, you know, this is my life. This is my mm-hmm. training these instructors are supportive of me, but Mm -hmm. they also have 20 other dancers to look at, at least in my Mm -hmm. class. And so I can't rely on their eye to tell me everything that I need to do or for them to write the perfect recommendation letter or whatever. I can't rely on that. So I was constantly trying to keep myself competitive throughout school, being very goal-oriented in my technique classes, thinking back to even Houston Ballet, like what were some things that they really drilled there that haven't been drilled here that I can bring into my classes. Mm -hmm. I even had kind of like accountability buddies in Mm -hmm. class where I saw that uh, there were some dancers who were kind of similar to me and their background and their goals, and we would kind of spur each other on. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was going to mention earlier, I was placed in the highest level for my first year and I stayed there all three years, mm-hmm. um, which the department doesn't normally do that. But I'm really grateful I had that because I got to become friends with all of the seniors who are coming through. Mm -hmm. I got to watch them go through the audition process. I got to see who got contracts, who didn't. And because I watched them dance every day, I would start to, you know, again, going back to being um, observant and appropriately analytical, I'd started to really think, okay, how do I take what I'm seeing and Mm -hmm. learn from it to equip myself to be competitive in the job market? Mm -hmm. So that's super important. And that's a piece of advice I always share, like take ownership. Mm -hmm. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you find yourself relying on a name on a resume to get you somewhere Yeah, because it won't, but I I don't say that to be harsh, but to Mm. say that it's actually encouraging for those of us who don't have big names on a resume. Mm. I've seen dancers come out of very obscure studios that no one would hear about. Mm. And yet I saw them get court about like contracts mm. before, you know, I was offered that mm. slash before I had to stop dancing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that's encouraging. It's, it's kind of the great level leveler is our mm. actual ability. Um, anyway, the audition process though, that was actually a really life-changing time for me mm-hmm. going into that final year decided to graduate early and I knew like this is it thankfully I had been through several audition seasons before I had Mm -hmm. auditioned for plenty of companies before I always recommend that Mm -hmm. audition before you're desperate for it you need Mm -hmm. to learn how to get good at it Mm. before um, you just go out there and do it it's like standardized testing for school that's actually a skill set it's not just your knowledge Mm -hmm. that will get you the good score it's your how comfortable are you with the testing process yeah so I'm glad I had practice with that. That really helped. The other thing is I had this life-changing epiphany moment Mm -hmm. before audition season happened. It was December finals week. I was about to go into one of our um, rehearsals. Mm -hmm. I remember it was just the time of year. Everyone's tired. We're Mm -hmm. about to go home. We're kind of already checked out. It was Mm -hmm. getting dark really early in the day and I was warming up. I was just kind of minding my own business. Mm -hmm. And I was standing outside of a studio, a bunch of the other dancers I knew in my class were sitting down chatting Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of in my own little world. Yeah. And, uh, I heard them talking about audition season Mm -hmm. and the way they were speaking about it was, ah, the spring is going to suck. It's going to be miserable. 
And I had this epiphany where I just snapped out of it, or I don't know, I snapped into some other dimension. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I went, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden I realized, hold on, some of the girls saying that have never auditioned before. So how would they know if it's going to be miserable? Mm-hmm. They are projecting that because that's what they've seen modeled for them. Mm-hmm. So that kind of blew my mind. And then it led to the, the realization in that like span of 30 seconds where I was like, well, I can see for them that if they believe that about audition season, that it's going to be hard, that they probably won't get a job, it's going to suck, all these things. If they believe that, I've seen enough people go through audition season to see that the belief they go into it with is the experience they end up creating. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I was like, well, what if audition season was fun? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just make it that? Mm-hmm. What if it was exciting? And I, I made this commitment with myself that I was going to have fun in the spring semester. I was going to really experience and invite out my passion for dance. Mm-hmm. I was going to let that really be an asset to myself. I wasn't just going to rely on my technique. I, I kind of decided also like, screw the idea of me going in there and trying to be technically the best. Mm. That's the game everyone is trying to play. And that's why a lot of people are worried because if you're like, my objective is to be the best and you show up to an audition and naturally, if your measure of success is I want to be the best or one of the best technically, mm-hmm that's outside of your control because you don't mm. know who's going to show up. Yeah. And anytime you put the cause of your success outside of yourself, of course you'll feel anxious mm. because it's outside of your control. Mm. So instead I very clearly defined what is my best? What is, I, I even started to kind of play with the visuals, like seeing myself as my best self as a dancer, kind of as mm-hmm. a character Mm-hmm. Not that it was inauthentic to me, but I just started to build out like, what does that feel like when I feel authentic, authentically me mm-hmm. as I dance? Mm-hmm. I would practice that in class. I would like really nurture it artistically in my attitude and my personality. And so then when I went into auditions, I was like, my goal is just to be that, mm. not anything else. And I found that I was radically more comfortable and confident than most every person there. Mm-hmm. And it was that confidence that actually I would see that as I would, you know, start a combination, it wasn't necessarily my skill or my body or anything like that, that I think turned heads, but I would see heads literally turn towards me because I was really working on like that radiance, that artistry, Mm -hmm. that confidence, just being genuine, being myself, Mm -hmm. being comfortable. And I got more offers than any audition season I ever did, even after that. Mm-hmm. I kind of slipped out of that mentality the next time I went to audition. I wasn't really in it. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, what the heck? Mm. It's really, all this is a bunch of mind games. Mm. 100%. I felt like I just started to see this new reality that so mm. many people weren't seeing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got so excited about it. Like, wow, confidence takes us far. Okay. okay. Oh, it does. So, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Then Mm -hmm. I ended up getting invited to, you know, the classic, you get invited to a bunch of summer programs and they're like, come audition Mm -hmm. again, but pay us to do it and come for three to five weeks. Uh, yeah, I know. know. It's, um, it's a pain. Mm -hmm. That summer was pretty rough. I did eight weeks of summer programs back to back. Oh my God. And at that point, you know, I was already 22 years old, Mm -hmm. kind of over the whole summer intensive thing a little bit. So that was really, uh, audition season was great. I graduated super happy, all the things. And then it was that summer that was like, oh man, I got an offer to dance uh, with the Louisville Ballet, but it was just like a traineeship. Mm -hmm. And I think they just basically pay for your shoes. Mm -hmm. And I ended up turning it down because they wanted an answer really early. And I had Mm -hmm. prospects with Atlanta Ballet and Oklahoma City Ballet. Mm -hmm. Um, Atlanta Ballet like really seemed interested in me. That didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. They literally told me, have you considered stand-up comedy <laughs> in my meeting? <laughs> I'm like, 
I don't know if I should say, I don't know if I should be flattered because <laughs> is that is... they have a good personality or I don't know if I should cry or laugh. I'm like, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Is that I'll a compliment? A Who compliment. knows? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So thankfully on my last day of being at the Oklahoma City Ballet Summer Intensive, <laughs> I feel like this is so relatable for a lot mm-hmm. of dancers, but I was like, the artistic director came and he taught a couple of our classes. There were 60, 65 girls in there. And so many of them had legs for days, mm-hmm. technique, honey, like yep. all the things. Everything. And yep. I kept seeing him walk by my bar and write down the names of like everyone on the bar, except for me. Mm-hmm. I got so frustrated. I was like, it's over. It's over. I'm done with this. This mm-hmm. is the last straw. I went through all those auditions. Um, yeah. And this is it. Like now I'm relying on either this working out or Atlanta Ballet. It was like mm-hmm. a huge bet. Mm-hmm. The last day <laughs> I was going to be in Oklahoma before I went to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The last day, the director says, Oh, yeah, I know some of you are leaving. So, if you want to know if you uh, are accepted as an apprentice, um, just come into my office. Mind you, he said that he was about to walk into his office right after he was teaching our contemporary yeah. class. That mm-hmm. contemporary class was miserable. I'm like, I'm invisible. Mm-hmm. Am I even that good? Like mm-hmm. this is all the doubts garbage. Like, yeah, oh, I was just so mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I walk into his office and he's like, yeah, I already told Penny that I wanted to send you a contract. <laughs> I was so like, what funny. the heck just happened? Oh my God. So yeah. So wild. So uh, yeah, that was a really weird day in my life, but mm, I, I can imagine taking it. I'm yeah. Really happy I did. Yeah. That's great. That's, I mean, it's a nice surprise, but at the same time, it's like, why, why all the stress? Like, why don't they just tell you soon? Like, I don't understand. It's like they, make you wait like I don't ah I don't understand (laughs) thankfully he didn't make us wait I was really great okay that's good like I was able to to march right into the office and be like what's the answer (laughs) okay that's good that's Um, good not like that I didn't ask like that but you know no 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 of course that's what I was feeling on the inside yeah tell me (laughs) tell me I need to know Um, now it was just so weird because that really started to also crack crack open the idea I had in my head of like I know what teachers are thinking. Mm. I know if they like me or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful I had that experience because I realized so much of my unhappiness up into the, until that point in my life came from me projecting thoughts and feelings onto teachers mm-hmm. thinking like they said this to that dancer and not me. So oh, I do that. <laughs> me. They hate me. Literally. And they're judging me. <laughs> and I was like, Kirsten, you don't freaking know. Stop it. You don't know. And it's not oh my your business. God. I know. Oh my gosh. I think I think that must be quite a common thing to do because I mean I definitely do it and I'm sure other dancers do it. It's like, oh, I didn't get I didn't get a good today. Oh my god, they must think I'm the worst dance in the whole world. Like I'm garbage. Like that was the worst class I've ever done. Or like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't, we can't just say, man, I wish I was someone else because I don't think the grass is actually greener. Mm. No, definitely. And it's so interesting to see because, yeah, I guess like I really relate to either seeing that um, or even there've been points where like teachers have been really hard on me and like sometimes it's it's sometimes like just hard to know if it's mm-hmm. like, coming because they actually think you're bad. Like, sometimes just teachers aren't clear with like how they actually feel in the sense of like do are they just frustrated with you or are they like trying to help you because they kind of see there might be something they can like wean out of you like I I never I never know and I see it with other like you know I see same thing with other dancers and I think it's quite a common thing of that just being very hard and teachers thinking that yeah yeah totally crazy Um, it's all a mind game right yeah exactly um kind of going on to how you you know when you I guess I say when you transitioned out of ballet um 
into becoming now a high-performance coach. How did that happen and what inspired you um, to really, like, take that next step? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it could be a very long story, so I'll see. Uh, <laughs> kind of just the yeah yeah basis. Good, but it was wild. So okay. again, I thought I was gonna be some finance person. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm just gonna brush my hands off, say screw ballet. I'm going to be successful at something else. I want to mm-hmm. just leave it behind and have another life. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I still wanted to dance for fun. I've never stopped dancing just for the joy of it because I yeah. truly love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a lot of my struggles taught me mm-hmm. is that I do love ballet for what it is. And I'm yeah. very grateful to say that. So mm-hmm. I never stopped. Um, and I've never intended to, but yeah, what happened is at the time I very, I made the very sudden decision to stop dancing it was mm-hmm. when I got back on stage three months after surgery which is not advisable don't do it no. but I'm grateful I did it just you know I had to pay mm-hmm. for it later mm-hmm. the price was worth it for me personally but yeah what happened is I had to get really honest with myself mm-hmm. my injury is not getting better no matter how hard I try mm-hmm. what I need is to stop trying mm-hmm. so that it can get better and so, yeah, I went on Christmas break or winter break after Nutcracker and I just spent time with my family and it just felt like a really miraculous time where I was able to just be separate from all of the existential angst <laughs> swimming around in my head of like, who am I and what am I going to do? And is this over? And like reckoning also with the kind of pre- preeminent kind of grief. Mm-hmm. Of like knowing deep down I was losing this life that mm-hmm. I've worked so hard for yeah for most of my conscious life mm-hmm. and yeah so I think throughout my whole knee injury process it was this battle of like I was fixating my focus on getting better and the next thing and how am I going to make this work mm-hmm. but deep down more on that subconscious level knowing something's different about this mm-hmm. um I need to stop. And uh, so, yeah, there was, I felt like I was kind of unconsciously grieving for a lot of that time, Okay, which was really hard, Mm. kind of grieving the potential loss of that life. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, when I was going through the knee injury and trying to recover again, I saw how much of the recovery process was mental. Mm. So I, I saw that when I would be um, making space for a lot more fear-based thoughts about Mm -hmm. like the future or will I even be able to am I going to hurt myself doing this combination Mm -hmm. if I started to focus on the fear I started to notice that a lot more pain signals would come up Mm -hmm. versus when I was relaxed or having more trusting thoughts Mm -hmm. I started to notice that my recovery would progress Mm -hmm. So I noticed a a tie between my mind, my emotions and the healing process. So um, again, I say that because like that combined with what I mentioned earlier of recognizing Mm -hmm. this tie between my mindset and my mental health being connected Mm -hmm. to not only my performance, but my recovery, my satisfaction as a person, my confidence. Mm -hmm. And then even when I was healthy, yeah, my ability to perform. Mm -hmm. So during the injury recovery process, I was, you know, I'm an extrovert. So I was going to rehearsal still and like sitting there and talking mm-hmm. to my friends. And I noticed that, um, I was watching so many dancers and I started to just see what they're able to do for how beautiful and miraculous it is. Mm-hmm. And I started to remove all the layers of judgment that had been built up for my ballet training. Like that was good. That was bad. She should have turned out more blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I just stopped looking at it that way. And I was like, what you're able to do is miraculous and it's Mm. beautiful. And it's like, literally it makes the world a more beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And I would give anything to be able to jump and to have the level of freedom that you have in your body. I don't think anyone recognizes how much of a gift that is until Mm. you don't have it anymore. Yeah. So I started to have that perspective 
Mm-hmm. And I started to notice that as I watched my peers dance, I would see them and have all these thoughts like, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would see them come off and be like, well, that sucked. Mm. And I was like, what the heck is this? Mm. That all I want for all of these beautiful people is just to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That's because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And I started to just have those bigger kind of picture thoughts of like, what is this all about? And mm-hmm. why is it that we're giving our time and ourselves and our youth to this thing that we're also allowing to eat us alive? Yeah. How is it that these beautiful, competent, smart people underestimate themselves so consistently? It just started to really get to me because I was like, I was honestly starting to get frustrated. Like, wait, I'm the one who's supposed to be all boohoo about my life. Yeah, I'm the injured one. I can't, I'm the one who can't move. I yeah. can't even walk right now. Yeah, and, literally. And I'm just thinking about you guys. Like, why the, why the heck are you walking mm-hmm. around here like, blah, blah, it's a fat day, which totally understandable. I'm not judging it. But at the time, I was like, what the heck? Yeah, no, I had the same thing. Um, yeah, I remember I was injured. I was in a boot. And all, oh, obviously, yeah. all you want to do when you're injured is like, dance and you forget about the hard times you're just like I just want to dance um and I remember when people would like come in from like a long day and like it was a long day and it is tough um and be like oh my god that rehearsed like I don't want to do it I like I don't can't do it anymore like oh I hated that lesson or I'm just like (laughs) I'm over here struggling I want to do I can I take your place please um like it's such a melodrama yeah I've been there totally been there but I did start to kind of challenge the idea that that had to be normal Mm -hmm. because I saw a few dancers as well who were the kind that just, you know, they tended to be very objective in the way they saw things. They had kind of a more consistent emotional experience throughout the day. I'll put it that way. They had a level of confidence that wasn't cocky, but it allowed them to raise their hand when they needed to Mm -hmm. ask a question, take risks, advocate for themselves, Mm -hmm. go talk to the company manager. Mm -hmm. I started to, you know, I think a huge theme in my journey is I just, I'm observant Mm -hmm. and I am also very curious, like Mm -hmm. how do things work? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so all of that being said, when I stopped dancing, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I took about three months where I was looking into different career paths. I decided I want to move to Austin where I live now Mm -hmm. because I thought, well, this is a fresh start for me. So might as well be as thoughtful as I can about building a life I actually Mm -hmm. love. I think that's, that would be a great use of my time, especially Mm -hmm. given what I've been through recently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I decided where I wanted to move and I was looking into different jobs and I was, um, interviewing for different jobs and honestly shooting very low Mm -hmm. I think which was a reflection of you know a couple of things in my mentality at the time yeah and thank god none of those worked out because actually my twin sister she comes back in the story Mm -hmm. she was working in corporate consulting she had this fancy business job that Mm -hmm. seemed like the thing everyone wanted Mm -hmm. but she was miserable Mm-hmm. And it was a very poor use of her personal gifts as a person. So she was looking into different, a different career path, doing this deep dive, soul searching the whole thing. Yeah. She ends up finding that she really resonated with different authors, speakers, even people who worked in her company as career coaches. Mm-hmm. She was very fascinated with the idea of like, how do people discover what they have to offer? to the Mm -hmm. world in the workforce? Mm -hmm. How do they actually get a job that's aligned with it? How do they have some sense of meaning and purpose that's connected to what they do, Mm -hmm. but also in a way that's not just totally flighty and like, it's my dream, but it's real. It's Mm -hmm. satisfying and it it compensates them. She was very, you know, interested in that question. Mm -hmm. So she decides I'm going to be a coach. And she looked into all these different programs and I'm like, what is coaching? That sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, multiple people had told me, you sound like a life coach. <laughs> Cause I was always talking about like mindset mm. and life lessons and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it kind of just feels like a part of who I am. Mm. And again, 
I was being very judgy. I was like, life coach, that sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Oh, I also said that about dancing in college. <laughs> LOL. Wow. Oh, good. Yeah, I wonder, I, I kind of listen to my thoughts these days and I'm like, what is it that I say judgmental things about? It's probably gonna be in my future. <laughs> oh gosh, stop judging your future self. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I when she signed up for this coaching certification program, um, mm-hmm. she she was able to invite a guest for free to the first like training conference weekend. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't know if I could go. I might have a job by then. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the job, so I'm like, okay, whatever, well, Kelsey, I'm gonna go. So yeah, I go and. I guess, again, the dancer mentality, I just thought, well, I'm here. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here for three days. This is Mm -hmm. a whole new world. I'm kind of in a space where I'm interested in reinventing myself. So why not pretend that I paid to be here? Mm -hmm. Why not just go 100% full out and just own it, Mm -hmm. dive in, whatever they ask you to do, just do it 200%. Yeah. So I did. And by the end of the first day, all these people were asking if my sister was my guest. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, And I I was like, wait, I love this, this coaching thing. It's like asking people questions Mm -hmm. to lead to problem solving, creative Mm -hmm. problem solving, Mm -hmm. personal insight, helping them adjust their way of thinking and let go of ways of thinking and feeling that aren't working for them or certain Mm -hmm. beliefs. I was like, wait. I do this with my friends all the time. This is mm. fun. Mm. I can do this. So yeah, I decided to like give them all the money I had at the end of the week. And I'm like, I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So, yeah, but I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Literally no idea. I never hired a coach. Again, I thought it sounded silly. Mm. I, I hadn't known anyone who was some kind of a life coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't get it. I went to like three therapy sessions before and it was helpful. Mm. So I kind of had like some context for like the helping profession, Mm. but yeah, it was this whole thing where like, for me, I'm, um, I'm a Christian. It's a really big part of my life. And so Mm -hmm. like my grasp of like life's purpose and Mm -hmm. God putting things in my path is just a big way, uh, a big part of the way I think. And Mm -hmm. I just am so amazed that as I look back on like some of my most challenging circumstances Mm -hmm. and how I even tried to run from a path like that. And I thought it was silly. And I was like, I'm going to do finance and even thinking, um, as I started to just coach my friends for free and wondering Mm -hmm. like, what would a business look like? Who would I help? I tried to run from the idea of working with dancers. Cause I was like, they wouldn't pay me. What? Mm -hmm. They don't have any money. And so then I tried to just kind of copycat what my sister was doing, like such a weirdo. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to be a career coach. Of course that didn't work. It wasn't authentic. I didn't have experience there, but I tried. And I'm just so thankful that it's like, in spite of myself, Mm -hmm. I came to where I am. And -hmm. that just gives me so much trust in just the process of life that there were so many times where I messed up. I needed to go through a hard time to learn something I had no clue what I was doing, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, especially in times where you don't know what's going on, it's just amazing that eventually one piece of clarity comes and you act on that. And then just the next thing and the next thing. And then you know that even if you're 10 steps down the road, you can change mm-hmm. if the whole thing ends up looking like, you know, a bad idea that turns into an important lesson, then it mm-hmm. turns into the next thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just kept going with it and figuring out as I went, like, how do I market this? Mm-hmm. How do I talk about what do I, what I do with dancers? And I started to understand like, okay, what I really want to specialize in is working on the mental side of optimum performance. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked back on my own journey and even interviewed and talked to a lot of other dancers that seem to have you know, a certain level of well-being, a certain ability to perform, to mm-hmm. have resilience and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just started to look at the patterns. What are the beliefs that are very common in our industry that don't work? Yeah. What are the um, emotional patterns and aspects of like the way dancers are taught to relate to their, their emotions that don't mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. How do we start to change those? Okay. So once I kind of recognize what is the baseline for some 
certain like beliefs, identities, things like that, Mm -hmm. that psychologically are common in our industry that don't work. I started to think, okay, well, what does? I started to understand, understand that more deeply, understand Mm -hmm. the process of how to help people get there. I got a bunch more certifications after that because I just love learning. So Mm -hmm. I got certified in neuro-linguistic programming, which Mm -hmm. a lot of, I never knew about until I kind of got in this industry, but it's a really profound um, methodology for creating change mentally and emotionally more on that subconscious level than mm-hmm. just, um, you know, talking through something and consciously coming to the awareness of a new solution mm-hmm. through NLP. I started to understand the mechanics of change mentally and emotionally much more, um, powerfully. And so now I'm at this point where just as I gained more and more skills, mm-hmm. I'm able to help dancers with things like overcoming performance anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, developing confidence, overcoming self-doubt, overcoming even um, self-sabotaging patterns of like, why is it that every time the director comes in the room, I totally freeze. I make all these mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, I get in my head and I shrink back. Why is it that I kind of wait for someone else to raise their hand before then I raise my hand Mm -hmm. to demonstrate something or to step Mm -hmm. in? Mm-hmm. things like that kind of the more deeper layers that affect a lot of us mm-hmm. and we're not even sure what's happening or how to change it I love addressing the mechanics of change because I think we live in a world where on Instagram there is a lot of good advice out there mm-hmm. and I, I personally really like Instagram but at the same time even in my own work I know that I'm not necessarily going to walk someone through a total life transformation in 2,200 characters. I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's this illusion though, that like a quote card is going to change your life. Mm. And if I just tell myself that enough, if I just am like, (laughs) no girl, you can do this. Then I'll be confident and beautiful Mm. and skinny. Like everyone else I see, but Mm. that's not how it goes. Uh, Yeah. So I love breaking down like the the how to, how do you do it and walking Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. walking through that with someone yeah no that's great and I mean it's yeah it is needed and I think it's a lot of dancers struggle with a mental with you know dealing with their mentality surrounding yeah. all sorts of situations and some of them find a way out through themselves mm-hmm. and some people need that extra support which is absolutely fine and that's where yeah. I guess you know people like you um and people who are like passionate with sharing Mm -hmm. what they know what they've learned um and I guess like their skills is so important because there's kind of like a space for everything um in that sense and especially like you were saying like you know being more specific particularly in a dance setting and a ballet Mm -hmm. setting is very important um yeah that's really great and I'm sure everyone listening will be like super intrigued um (laughs) so I guess kind of I don't know before rounding up because I think we've covered most things and where can the listeners find you or if there's anything else you want to add um then go ahead yeah yeah I'll definitely share where they can find me Uh, Mm -hmm. I do want to add Mm -hmm. that you know as I reflect back on my own journey I think there were a lot of times where I never would have thought I could benefit from support because I saw it as some sort of thing that you need to have like a certain threshold of suffering in your life and dysfunction mm. to seek. Oh, d- I thought the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I d- that was totally me. I was mm. like, goes to three therapy sessions. I'm healed now. Mm. Please, please. Mm. Girl, after what you went through. No, I was not. Mm-hmm. And then like eight years later, that stuff caught up with me and mm-hmm. then I went back. So it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I do want to share with dancers that whether you work with a coach or a mentor who can kind of help guide you in your journey, which Mm -hmm. it's, I I do, I can kind of like elaborate on the difference between a therapist, a coach, and a mentor. I think that is helpful information to Mm -hmm. put out there. So a mentor is going to be a person who you look at as being successful in the ways that you would like to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you go to them for advice based off of their experience, kind of like, tell me what advice would you give me? What would you do if you mm-hmm. were in my shoes mm-hmm. to help get me to where you are now? So it's a mm-hmm. lot more like, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the coach's role is really to um, 
be more of a collaborator in the experience of creating change. A coach, a good coach, isn't actually going to tell you, here's what you do with your life. Mm. I co-create solutions all the time, help people brainstorm. I bring up ideas a lot, but as a coach, my job is to help you understand yourself Mm. on a much deeper level so that you leave our partnership knowing the deepest layers of your own mind, Mm -hmm. who you are, your confidence, how you make decisions, how you work yourself through a moment of intense Mm -hmm. nervousness. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in giving people the personal resources and the personal understandings of their own self and mind so that they can be an independent actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's therapy, which in a lot of ways, therapy and coaching has a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. So a therapist might spend time in their session with a client goal setting, talking about the future, which a lot of coaching is focused on the present and future and only the past is long that's needed to maybe uncover and change some beliefs Mm -hmm. or create emotional release around a triggering experience, things like that. But we're not going to really like spend a lot of time in the past Mm. or on like the particular aspects of healing necessarily. Mm -hmm. There are aspects of the coaching process that are very healing and therapeutic, Mm -hmm. but I would never market my services as being a person who helps someone to overcome trauma, Mm -hmm. treats anxiety and depression. That's, you should never go to a coach for that. Mm. That's what therapy is for. Um, Though, again, a therapist might have a moment where they do focus on goals. They are more goal and outcome oriented versus Mm -hmm. process oriented. Um, But a lot of times therapy is profoundly helpful for um, getting a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. being able to explore the past, being able to explore family systems and how maybe the way you grew up or Mm -hmm. formative experiences. affects your present and your future. So you can start Mm -hmm. to undo a lot of those patterns. So again, there's a lot of crossover in coaching and therapy, but in Mm -hmm. general, what I like to tell dancers is therapy is really, really fantastic for helping people get from a place where they are experiencing dysfunction to a Mm -hmm. place of function. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of therapists want their clients to thrive and can help them get to that place of thriving. So I don't want to say it's just for people who feel super broken to Mm -hmm. get them to a place where they're okay. That's a huge generalization, but then there's coaching, which is a lot more action oriented, goal oriented, and it's helping dancers who are, or people who are Mm -hmm. functional, but they're not functioning like personally feeling their best they're mm-hmm. not operating in the world the way they want to and mm-hmm. i help them get to an optimal place where they're mm-hmm. achieving their goals and things like that so mm-hmm. i just wanted to put that out there because there is a shockingly low amount of information in the dance <laughs> space especially around like how those intersect and it's personally Definitely. why i don't ever market that i'm a mental health expert because i think mm-hmm. there's also a lot of um misinformation about the difference between mindset work and a specialty in men- mental health and like even what mental health means. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I try to, you know, be very forward about that mm-hmm. in my work, but yeah, it's, I want to say that there is such a place, no matter how you're feeling at this mm-hmm. point in your journey, just like we always want to look for the best training to get us to where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And we have as dancers, a very proactive approach and thought process behind like why you start Pilates and all this stuff. Mm. I want to encourage dancers to be proactive about helping themselves master the mental side Mm. of accomplishing their goals as dancers. Mm. Whether you are in a place where you are experiencing bouts of depression Mm. and more severe anxiety, Mm please you know, get help. It's such a strong and awesome thing to do. Mm -hmm. Seek the help of a therapist. If you're in the place, like I was so many times where I was just so tired of my own insecurities Mm -hmm. affecting the way I felt in class and then affecting the way I danced and then keeping me from the goals, Mm -hmm. achieving the goals I wanted. Mm -hmm. I waited so many times to seek help on that because I was just like, that's normal. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I can handle it. <laughs> Just one more positive quote. Mm. I'll be fine. <laughs> Don't wait. Like be proactive as well about taking care of yourself as a person. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll see how much further it can take you. So yeah, 
those are some of my final words and where you can find me on yeah. the internet mm-hmm. is uh so my website is kirstenkemp.com mm-hmm. k-i-r-s-t-e-n but if you have i'll link it, it and yeah yeah there's also i have the same url i mean it's just a different url for the same website theconfidentdancer.com mm-hmm. either one works okay so, um, yeah for people who are like I couldn't find your website. I'm like, you spelled it wrong. So the comment is <laughs> it's okay. It's normal. I have a different name, but yeah. So then on Instagram, I'm uh, the confident. Nope. Excuse me. Person. Person <laughs> underscore the confident dancer. I recently yep. changed it. It used to be mm-hmm. twin talks ballet since mm-hmm. I was like a wee lass. So um, yeah. And I have a YouTube channel, the confident mm-hmm. dancer. Fab. I will link it all below. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming on and having such an open conversation i really enjoyed it and i hope the listeners did too i'm sure they did um yeah no that was great thank you so much listeners can yeah no worries at all um yeah everyone listening you can you know same time same place next week you another ep for another episode thank you so much to kirsten for coming on and thanks for listening guys bye